0: Welcome to The Red Light Report, your number one source for all things red light therapy, where you will learn how to optimize your health, wellness, and longevity with the power of photobiomodulation. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Belkowski. Hey, guys. Thanks for joining me on another episode of The Red Light Report. This week, we're getting back to some red light therapy-related research. But before we get there, first of all, happy July. Uh, At the time of this recording, it's pre-July 4th, so by the time you're listening, it'll be post-July 4th, so I hope you had a a happy, relaxing, fun, safe July 4th, whatever you did, friends, family, or some good food and barbecue, fireworks, uh, maybe all of that and even more, Uh, but regardless, hope you had a good time, we're kind of getting into the thick of things as far as summer here, so people probably traveling on vacation, uh, kids are out of school for better or worse, <laughs> and and uh, everything that goes along with that. but But regardless, hope you're having a good summer. Hope you're living your life to its fullest. And yeah, I'm just sitting here recording, got the glow facing me. I literally just turned it on about 20 seconds ago, or I guess before I started recording, so about 90 seconds ago. But man, every time I turn it on, And I can look straight at it because the light irradiance of this device is intentionally very, 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 very low. It's a fraction of what you'll find in, let's say, any of the Shine devices, let alone panels or other devices. And it's intentionally low because with the Glow, we were wanting to target uh, or have people have a device that was tailored for skin treatments and eye treatments, which notoriously require the lowest dosage or the lowest amount of jewels to achieve the benefit you're looking for when you're looking for that therapeutic result with red light therapy. And again, if you guys have been listening to me for a while, you know that more is not better. And that applies to to a lot of different things in red light therapy, as well as life. But regardless, my point being, I was just reminded of how Relaxing, the glow is on the eyes. Again, I can look straight at the red LEDs, and it's not abrasive. It's not uh, stressful as compared to the panels or even other handheld devices out there, including the Shine, like I mentioned. Um, It's literally relaxing and feels good. And the reason I have it in front of me here right now is because when I record, I'm usually reading research or reading notes I have. If I'm not reading out of a book, and so I'm looking at, at a lot of blue-lit technology. And, and so whenever I'm at my desk throughout the day, I'll have my glow turned on. And most of the time, I'll have my blue light blocking glasses on as well. Sometimes I don't, but sometimes I do both blue light blocking and the red light just because the red light feels so relaxing. So I guess this was a selfless plug for the glow, but more so just good reminder or self-realization that, man, this glow device is if you sit in front of a computer, it's almost like a must-have because of what it does for your eyes. Again, the research shows that, again, those low-dosage treatments for your eyes actually have a lot of benefits for eyesight, mitigating or reversing age-related macular degeneration, uh, dry eyes. Think of all the bad things that happen when you just stare at blue-lit technology for too long. Red light can counter that, if not, potentially reverse it. Not just that it feels good, but there's actually some good things going on uh, when you're utilizing it. I wasn't even necessarily thinking of saying all of that about the glow. Kind of just struck me when I turned it turned it on just now. But I felt like I had to say that to you guys because anytime you a person uses red light therapy and they feel good or get good results, it's always fun to talk about. And that's something I'm going to start doing here in the near future: is bringing on people who are interested to share their red light therapy stories. And again, these could be two minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes, uh, depends how much that person wants to go into their background and, and their, the results they got with red light therapy. But this is kind of a good segue into me promoting this future segment on the red light report by saying, if you, the listener, or if you have a friend or family member who you know had a really profound or interesting or unique experience with red light therapy whether it was for good or bad cuz it's good for anyone and everyone to know anything that can happen with red light therapy cuz not everything is is rainbows and unicorns as they say cuz people have some interesting reactions with red light therapy uh, some major detox reactions and that's going to lead to some headaches and migraines and nausea and some malaise and fatigue and all that stuff so it's good for people to know what the quote unquote real people um, are feeling and not just these influencers and, and people leaving paid reviews on, on other websites. It's good to hear from the people. So if you are one of those people, please reach out to me at info at biolight.shop or even uh, what would be better is to reach out to the podcast directly, which is podcast at shop. That'll get directly to me, but that'll help funnel messages directly for this purpose. So again, if you want to share your story, you don't have to use your name or anything like that. We can do it anonymously. But if you would like to share your story about your experience with red light therapy, maybe it's an interesting reaction you had, maybe some profound results, maybe it's changed your life. It could be for you, it could be for your pet, it could be for your mom or dad or brother, sister or best friend or next door neighbor. But it would just be very cool to have people come on and again, share their quick story of their experience with red light therapy. It doesn't have to be a biolight device, it can be anything, just your experience with red light therapy, maybe some even some stories about how you heard about red light therapy, how you got into it, because I think some of the origin stories for people are pretty interesting as well. So again, if you would like to share your story, and we'll, we'll set up a uh, basically a Zoom call with me, and we'll just go over your story. Again, it can be as short or long as you want, probably cap it around 10 minutes, because I think I'd like to have basically an episode every once in a while that is just 45 to 60 minutes of different people sharing their experiences with Red Light Therapy. So again, reach out, podcast at biolight.shop. Let's get the ball rolling on that because it'd be good for the community and everyone listening uh, to hear from the people. But without further ado, let's get into the nitty-gritty research. It's been a while before we get it there, and I know I'm kind of getting long in the tooth here, but I did get a lot of positive feedback from this most recent kind of, not book review, but just insightful information from this book, Healing as Voltage, by uh, Dr. Jerry and So if you guys ever have any feedback for me, for better or for worse, I, I'm open to constructive criticism. If you love the information, let me know. If you think I'm kind of getting off the path here and you want more red light therapy basically week in and week out, again, let me know because what I'm doing here is kind of just shooting from the hip. I'm providing some red light therapy information. We're going over the research. We're having some amazing interviews. Uh, and every once in a while, again, I get that interesting or or unique book that I I feel like I should share with you guys because it's some pretty cool information. But the name of the podcast is The Red Light Report. So I do try to stay true to that as often as possible. But again, if you have any feedback for me, shoot me an email to the same email or hit me up on uh, Instagram or LinkedIn, send me a DM and just let me know. Because if I don't hear from you guys, I just assume, I, I, I guess I don't assume anything. I just hope you are appreciating the information and are enjoying it. But again, I really don't know until people tell me. So um, if you have reached out to me in the last month or two and just have shared your thoughts, I do appreciate it. So if you feel compelled to, let me know. But again, let's get into the research here. This one isn't red light therapy specific, but indirectly because we're going to talk about mitochondria. And uh, this is from an article from June 10th of this year, so not even a month old. And this was in the uh, journal entitled Biological Trace Element Research. And it is a review. It's entitled Fluoride-Induced Mitochondrial Dysfunction and Approaches for its Intervention. It's so hot off the press, I don't even have access to the full article, I just have the abstract. But even the abstract has some pretty good information, so let's gander there, and if we harken back to the last two weeks with the book I just mentioned, Healing is Voltage, and we look at it from that perspective, or that paradigm of voltage, and we want essentially i don't want to say higher voltage because we want it between that negative 20 to negative 25 millivolts to be healthy and be able to replicate and produce cells in a healthful manner but my point being fluoride as dr tenon told us is a an electron stealer which would lower our voltage which would make us less healthy which would basically pull down our immune systems allow us to get sicker quicker come down with diseases, cancer, so on and so forth, because it would lower our voltage. So let's go into this abstract with that uh, mindset. If you're listening to this podcast, you're probably on board with the fact that fluoride isn't all it was built up to be. I was under the guise for most of my life, 90% of my life, that fluoride was good for your teeth. And when you go to the dentist, you get the fluoride treatment, yada, yada, yada but you kind of get into this holistic health or this biohacking world, so to speak, and you quickly learn fluoride is a toxin. Fluoride is bad for you. Fluoride should not be in your diet or your health uh, regimen whatsoever. And as you can tell by the title of this article, Fluoride-Induced Mitochondrial Dysfunction, that kind of says it all right there. Well, guys, Biolite has what's called bundles. So simply go to the Biolite website, biolite.shop, go into products, and there'll be a tab for bundles. With each of these bundles, there's three of them, you save 20% off on the entire package. For example, we have the beauty bundle, which includes a shine and stand, a guardian plus, and the longev revive cream. So that bundle of three products, you save 20% off the entire package. There's the recovery bundle. That includes the recharge plus panel, the guardian mouthpiece, and then the longev Recover Cream. And that Recover Cream is just like the Revive Cream except it has added CBD oil infused into it. That package of three items all comes at 20% off. And then the last bundle which is the most versatile bundle in the sense that you get to pick and choose what products you want. You get to pick and choose from the Recharge Plus panel, the Restore Plus panel, or the Matrix Full Body Matte. And then you get to choose between the Guardian and Guardian Plus. And then you get to choose between the Revive and the Recover Cream. It also includes the Shine and Stand so you get to choose between black, and silver, by purchasing those four products in the Ultimate Bundle, you save 20% off all of the products. You also save 20% off shipping, so literally the entire package and shipping is 20% off. So if you're ever needing some red light therapy products and are looking for a discount, just remember the bundles are always 20% off, 365 days a year, no coupon code necessary. But, but regardless, let's get to the abstract here. Uh, so they say that fluoride is present everywhere in nature. The primary way that individuals are exposed to fluoride is by drinking water. That's another way that wool's been pulled over our eyes for decades and decades, I don't know how long, is that fluoride is, needs to be in our water to keep it clean and because it's good for our health. Well, again, like I mentioned a minute ago, that's not true. Yeah, that's actually a section Dr. Jerry Tennant covers in his book. He has a whole section on fluoride. But again, let's get back to the abstract here. So, the primary way that individuals are exposed to fluoride is by drinking water. It's interesting to note that while low fluoride levels are good for bone and tooth growth, prolonged fluoride exposure is bad for human health. Additionally, preclinical studies link oxidative stress, inflammation, and programmed cell death to fluoride toxicity. Moreover, mitochondria play a crucial role in the production of reactive oxygen species. And of course, we know that's just a byproduct of a normal metabolic respiration or, or ATP production. On the other hand, they say, little is known about fluoride's impact on mitophagy, biogenesis, and mitochondrial dynamics. These actions control the growth, composition, and organization of mitochondria and the purification of mitochondrial DNA helps to inhibit the production of reactive oxygen species and the release of cytochrome C, which enables cells to survive the effects of fluoride poisoning. In this review, we discuss the different ways involved in mitochondrial toxicity and dysfunction induced by fluoride. For therapeutic approaches, we discuss different phytochemical and pharmacological agents which reduce the toxicity of fluoride via maintained by imbalanced cellular processes, mitochondrial dynamics, and scavenging the reactive oxygen species. So a lot of big words, a lot of stuff we already know as far as the way or the role that the mitochondria play. But I guess the take home for me is fluoride induces mitochondrial dysfunction and what do we know from Dr. Doug Wallace the top mitochondrial researcher in the world well mitochondrial dysfunction is related to upwards of 80% of modern diseases which means the DNA actually controls much less than that um less than 20% because there's other factors as well so if we can mitigate or prevent or reverse mitochondrial dysfunction that is your path to health. So why would you ingest or why would you consume or why would you add fluoride to your lifestyle if it induces mitochondrial dysfunction? So it's just another way to look at it. It's interesting that they add the touted health benefits of fluoride by saying it promotes bone and tooth growth, but there's a lot of other healthier ways to go about doing that. So I don't think we need to rely on fluoride. That's just my take. I am not a dentist. This is not medical advice, this is just my thoughts as I'm reading this, (laughs) so take it for what it's worth. But that's my little uh, rant on fluoride and mitochondrial dysfunction. Moving along to the next piece of research here, this one has to do with skin health, speaking of the glow, uh, and this one is entitled, photobiomodulation reduces periocular wrinkle volume by 30%, a randomized controlled trial. And so periocular, of course, is around the eye. So we're we're reducing wrinkles around the eye by thirty percent. So let's see how they did it. This is interesting. They use both red and amber light. So they use red at six hundred sixty nanometers, which is pretty typical, and the amber was at five hundred and ninety nanometers. And of course, red light start, starts at six hundred nanometers. So five ninety is not far away. So they're almost stepping into that red light spectrum with the amber light. So it's on the deep end of amber, if you will. And this is some interesting parameters to take note for those people that are wondering how to treat their skin. Of course, if you have a BioLite product, you you have access to that ebook I've developed that has treatment protocols. But for example, the light irradiance. So this is what people need to pay attention to. milliwatts per centimeter squared. And for example, most panels out on the market tout that they have 100 or 150 or some have even on their website that they do 170 or 180 milliwatts per centimeter squared at six inches. And that's incredibly high if that's true. Again, you guys know my thoughts that they need to verify that with third party testing before I believe that their devices are actually putting out that much energy or light power. But regardless, so keep those numbers in mind. As, for example, the, the Glow product, the handheld Glow, its light irradiance at uh, 6 inches is about 15 or 16 milliwatts per centimeter squared. And the Matrix, at its highest intensity, because you're going to be in direct contact with it, its light irradiance is just over 2 milliwatts per centimeter squared. So those are considered very low compared to the quote-unquote market, but again, the market is probably over guesstimating their light radiances. But again, for the study here, their amber and their red light uh, had a light radiance of 6.4. So again, very low, and for a radiant exposure of just under 4 joules per centimeter squared. So again, a very low dosage treatment. And they did 10 sessions, two to three times a week, so it took about four weeks for them to complete the study. And again, I mean, the, the, the result is in the title, but they, they say that there was a significant reduction in wrinkle volume after red, 31.6% reduction, and amber, which had 29.9% reduction, So so that's also interesting to note that red, being a slightly longer wavelength, had a more significant reduction in wrinkle volume compared to amber. Not statistically significant, but as a side-by-side comparison with the exact same treatment paradigm, red did reduce wrinkles more than that amber wavelength. Uh, They go on to say that none of the treatments improved skin hydration and viscoelacity. That, that's kind of interesting. I mean, red light therapy is not necessarily known for hydrating the skin. There's other mechanisms or other ways to go about doing that. Hyaluronic acid, for one. So I'm sure you can do some synergistic treatments along with red light therapy to improve skin hydration. And they say that both questionnaires showed improvements in the participants' quality of life. So everyone was satisfied. And the conclusion of the study is that photobiomodulation, both at red and amber wavelengths, is an effective tool for rejuvenation, producing a 30% wrinkle volume reduction. The technique has strong potential in patients with diabetes or those presenting with keloids, conditions for which highly inflammatory rejuvenating procedures are not indicated. So so. lastly on this article, I mean, it's just good to step back and think about it. Amber, being at that 590 nanometers, didn't have as much of a wrinkle reduction effect as that 660 nanometer for that red light. And as you know by now, shorter wavelengths don't penetrate as deeply, which is why near-infrared light, which is 800 to 1100 nanometers, so much longer than red light, That's why near-infrared light penetrates deeper into the body than red light. So stepping back to the article again, the reason that red light did better than amber light, again, not by massive amounts, but it still did better by almost 10%, the red light penetrates deeper. So it has more effect on a greater depth of the tissues. So if you're talking about pro-elastin, pro-collagen, and those kind of properties, red light had the edge because it was doing that to more tissues, not to mention the anti-inflammatory, pro-circulatory, mitochondrial-boosting properties that red light therapy has. But the point being, it was doing that to more tissue than the amber light because it's a longer wavelength. And then moving along to our next article, uh, this one comes to us from the Lasers in Surgery and Medicine Journal. This was first published June 8th. So basically, one month ago, this bad boy came to fruition and is currently hot off the press. It's entitled, Photobiomodulation Self-Treatment at Home After Rotator Cuff Arthroscopic Repair Accelerates Improvement in Pain, Functionality, and Quality of Life. A double-blind, sham-controlled, randomized controlled trial. So the take-home point, I guess, from the, uh, just from the title is self-treatment at home after a pretty intense surgery for those who have had rotator cuff surgeries you can probably speak to that although as a physical therapist rotator cuff injury injuries are interesting some people come straight from the surgeon and they are in like zero out of 10 pain and they can move it they can do stuff and their pain is minimal and then you have other people with the exact same surgery, and they're like twelve out of ten pain, and they're they're not going to move that thing if their life depends it on depends on it. So rotator cuff injuries are interesting. So anyway, for red light therapy to apparently have such a profound impact, it accelerates improvement in pain, functionality, quality of life, and the self treatment part is interesting. And when you dive into the article, you realize that they used laser, so they entrusted these patients with lasers, but also they had a very specific treatment protocol. So this is the type of research I'm hoping comes out more and more frequently, where we're seeing these novel, unique, ingenious uh, treatment protocols. Uh, Because the more of this stuff we can get, again, the more applicable it becomes to you, the user at home even if it's an LED, because, again, it doesn't matter if it's LED or laser. As long as you have the proper dosage, that's all that matters. So, again, if we can get more of these cutting-edge treatment protocols from the researchers themselves, that's going to make everything better for the red light therapy market as a whole. But, again, so they're using laser. Specifically, the device in the study was a lightweight, handheld consumer-made or consumer home-use photobiomodulation laser that is approved as a medical device and sold over the counter without prescription in Europe, Canada, and Israel. So that's right. If you're in America, this is not (laughs) sold over the counter. I'd be curious what the price point is in those other countries, because lasers in general are not cheap. If they're for a medical purpose, not a laser pointer, but uh, a laser for for treating. And so the energy parameters of the device were 808 nanometers, so strictly in the near-infrared wavelength, invisible to the human eye. The peak power was 55 milliwatts per centimeter squared. So even this laser, and lasers are notorious for being concentrated, coherent light, so intense light, the light irradiance is 55 milliwatts per centimeter squared. So again, think about these companies on the market that have panels that are 100 to 125 to 150 to 175 and beyond. Uh, they're saying that their LEDs are significantly more power than than some of the lasers on the market. But regardless, off the soapbox and back to the article here. And so they had other parameters, 15 kilohertz and a 33% duty cycle. So all of this is a little uh, too much jargon for the time being. joules per centimeter per minute. And the treatment, this is important, the treatment protocol is in accordance with the World Association for Laser Therapy Recommendations. And ladies and gentlemen, that is WALT, World Association for Laser Therapy. And so that's something Dr. Praveen Arani is associated with, the photobiomodulation researcher I've interviewed a couple of times. And so that's kind of like the over- Arching or overseeing association, if you will, of photobiomodulation. And so when they put out a statement or an approval of something, that is usually two thumbs up. So again, the treatment protocol they used was in accordance to the Walt recommendations. I guess that's what makes it even more interesting is that this is Walt approved. And a picture does a thousand words, and there's a nice little diagram that depicts exactly where they irradiated themselves and for different reasons and so they had two spots that they did to treat regional lymph nodes and how cool is that so they're treating lymph nodes to get the garbage and the toxins out to to help the healing process they treated the brachial plexus itself so they're treating the nerves because if you treat the brachial plexus you're going to affect everything distal to it which is all the nerves that innervate the rotator cuff muscles and beyond and then also the surgical cuts themselves. So they're healing the scars. They're healing all the tissue that was cut uh, deeper than the skin because, of course, they're doing near-infrared. So this isn't to treat the scar or, or the wound. This is to treat all the tissues that got cut in the process of repairing the torn rotator cuff muscle. So they had, again, two of the lymph, regional lymph nodes is directly on the neck, kind of by the sternocleidomastoid below the ear. So they had two uh, points there that they would treat twice a day for one minute each. Uh, the brachial plexus was kind of just above the middle of the clavicle. They did that once a day for six minutes, which makes sense, right? Because with the nerves being deeper, especially the brachial plexus is pretty deep, I should say there's a very little amount of the light energy that actually makes it to those deep tissues. So you have to increase your duration to get a therapeutic dose. So once a day for six minutes, that makes sense. And then there's three areas around the deltoid where all the surgical incisions were made, and those were once a day for one minute. So if we added up total just for kicks and giggles, we have twice a day for one minute each. So that's four minutes plus that six minutes for the brachial plexus, that's 10 minutes and then one for the incisions. And there's three of those. So that's 13 minutes total using the laser to treat themselves. And so in the study, they're doing all sorts of different testing and metrics, whether it was a quality of movement or different questionnaires to measure their pain or quality of life, stuff like that. But let's get down to the results here, and let's just begin with the patients. So the patients, there were 63 total, and they had a partial or full thickness rotator cuff tear. So they collected those subjects that were scheduled for an arthroscopic repair, and this is November of 2020, September 2021 was the duration. And 13 patients were excluded. So they ended up with 50 randomized participants in the intervention to treat analysis, 22 allocated to photobiomodulation, 28 to sham, of whom, so 42 of them, completed the six-month evaluation. So they started with 63. They ended up with 42 who completed the study, the groups were similar at baseline they were typically or they were middle aged mostly overweight men and women average age 55 bmi 29 which is almost obese so that should tell you something about the state of the country <laughs> if they're pulling random people for this for this study and and uh, they're way overweight borderline obese but but anyway Uh, Before surgery, the patients had considerable limitations in shoulder function represented by different scores and whatnot. At three months post-surgery, both groups showed significant improvements, but only the photobiomodulation group was significantly improved in forward flexion, so raising your arm straight in front of yourself. At six months, both groups showed statistically significant improvements in a certain questionnaire, CMS for short also forward flexion and abduction. So abduction is straight out to the side. There was no significant difference between the groups at any of the time points. So that is interesting. At one month post-surgery, significant average and worst pain reduction was reported only by the photobiomodulation group, while both groups reported significant pain reduction at three and six months. So that's good to note. Red light therapy was extremely effective early on in the acute phases, but as you stretch out the the timeline, everything kind of normalizes. So it's like if you want to just grit through a surgery, and this is kind of like a Magel mindset, you're just going to grit through it, don't give me any help, because six or 12 months down the road, we're going to be in the same place. Whereas people who want a little kinder or gentler path, With this information, it's like, well, red light therapy is going to significantly reduce your pain, improve your range of motion, improve your quality of life early on, which imagine what that's going to do to your mental health. So yeah, you might reach the same point from a range of motion and these other questionnaire standpoints, but like why grit through it if you don't have to? So there's something to be said for that. And then if we look at three months post-surgery... Reduction in disability score was reported to be significant only in the photobiomodulation group, of whom twice as many patients achieved MCID compared to sham. And MCID is the minimal clinically important difference. So MCID, which is the smallest change in a treatment outcome that an individual patient would identify as important and which would indicate a change in the patient's management So photobiomodulation at three months was statistically significant in that category. And then if we look at six months post-surgery, both groups reported significant reductions in disability risk score, but reduction reported by the photobiomodulation group was significantly greater compared to sham again. So in this instance, red light therapy seemed to be very strong and played a significant role, even as we stretched it out to three and six months. And then as we get into the discussion portion of the research article here, they go over some other ways that red light therapy has been shown in the past to help with different types of surgeries or or shoulder tendinopathies or or whatnot. But they go on to say that this double-blind randomized sham-controlled study was designed to evaluate the usefulness of photobiomodulation for accelerating recovery post-rotator cuff surgery. Patients received the device at post-op day one before going home and were expected to return for evaluations at the usual one-month checkup. Any therapeutic modality requiring additional visits at the clinic would have been difficult for these post-op patients due to pain and limited functionality. Moreover, this study took place at the height of the COVID-19 pandemic, including several national and regional lockdowns arriving at the hospital for non-emergency treatments was discouraged and social distancing required minimal interaction with clinical personnel. In the current study, this was not necessary because the treatments were self-administered at home, thereby both encouraging patient involvement and reducing clinical staff workload. So that's an interesting caveat, is it not, that COVID-19 actually necessitated this in some ways, but even still, it seemed like they were going to carry this out due to the patient's lack of being able to get into the clinic and and their decreased functionality. But moving along, nonetheless, the addition of self-administered photobiomodulation, which was at 808 nanometers up to 13 minutes, resulted in earlier and greater improvements in patient-reported outcomes throughout the six-month recovery period. Specifically, the proportion of patients of the photobiomodulation group achieving pain MCID and disability MCID at three months was similar to that achieved by the sham group at six months. Furthermore, although improvements in range of motion and shoulder function were similar in both groups, the photobiomodulation group reported significantly greater improvement in physical and mental quality of life, with a greater proportion of patients reaching an acceptable symptom state at six months post-surgery. Then they go into a little bit more of dialogue about other past researches and what they found out. And the punchline of this paragraph is, These studies show that photobiomodulation may be useful for patients undergoing orthopedic surgical procedures and can easily be included as part of a multimodal treatment for rehabilitation. So that's one of the take-home points for me, especially as a physical therapist, but for anyone out there who's a medical care provider or a consumer dealing with surgery, know that red light therapy can help. It can help reduce swelling. It can help reduce inflammation. It can improve circulation in terms of even the lymphatic system. You can improve range of motion. You're going to improve mitochondrial health, which is energy, and you need energy to heal. It's going to boost your immune system. You need a healthy immune system to heal. So again, whether you're a healthcare provider or a healthcare consumer, you should highly, highly, Look into or consider red light therapy as part of your patients or if you're a patient part of your rehabilitation protocol Um, there's almost no excuse not to use it it's it's very low risk it's very safe and as as you can tell by this article there's only benefits to be had and and it's easy to teach apparently because they they taught these uh 50 people how to self-administer with a laser Uh, which is considered not as safer, or I shouldn't say that. It's uh, Since it can heat the tissue, there's a a significantly greater risk of, of heating the tissue and causing damage compared to all these LED devices on the market, I guess is my point. So very safe, low risk, high reward, why not is my point. And let's see. So for the conclusion, to wrap things up, Self-applied photobiomodulation at home following rotator cuff surgery significantly accelerates improvement in patient-reported outcomes including pain, disability, and quality of life and does not modify improvements in range of motion or shoulder function. This non-invasive Non pharmacological add on therapeutic modality is easy to use, encourages active patient involvement, and is cost effective because it does not require additional visits to the clinic or clinical staff time. These findings, together with the existing literature, may indicate the usefulness of photobiomodulation in accelerating recovery and rehabilitation following other orthopedic surgeries. So they articulated it much better than I did. But in a nutshell, um, I mean, even if it just improves your quality of life and decreases your disability, like what other incentive do you need? Well, it also decreases your pain. (laughs) Um, So again, with any type of surgery, find a way or think of a way that red light therapy can be of benefit. And again, if it's not a skin-related injury or surgery, you got to use near-infrared, just like this research article did, because you need near-infrared To penetrate through the skin and treat the tissue below, whether it's an organ or muscle or bone or nerves, you got to use near infrared light. And after that article, guys, we're going to call it a day for this solo-sode. It's kind of nice to get back to the research and cover an array of topics. I hope you guys found it interesting. As always, hope you found it applicable. Again, whether it's yourself, friend or family, someone's going through any type of surgery, any type Especially orthodontic. Now that we have devices like the Guardian or Guardian Plus, you can stick the red light therapy right in your mouth, and and treat yourself there. But again, any type of arthroscopic, any type of any type of surgery, there's a way to use red light therapy to enhance the rehabilitation, the recovery process. And I would argue to you, in longtime listeners, you've heard me say this multiple times now. But if you know a surgery is planned, if it's scheduled, versus like a traumatic or an acute accident, so to speak you want to do red light therapy leading up to your surgery. Because let's say, for example, the mouth, if you do red light therapy in your mouth consistently leading up to your, let's say, uh, wisdom extraction, your wisdom tooth surgery, your body, your gums, your mouth the tissue in it is going to be stronger. It's going to be healthy. The circulation is going to be there. The oral microbiome is going to be rocking and rolling. The circulation, the the, the mitochondrial health, so you're going to have more cellular energy. Everything is going to be, the voltage will be raised in your mouth leading up to the surgery. So even if you didn't do red light therapy after your surgery at all, which I'm not advising, I'm just saying, for example, your recovery alone would be better just because you treated pre-surgery with red light therapy. So combine that with treating after the surgery as well, doing pre-surgery and post-surgery, man, it's night and day just by integrating red light therapy alone. And again, red light therapy isn't the end-all-be-all. There's, as they said in the uh, last article, to add it as a multimodal approach to rehabilitation. So red light therapy is an add-on, but it can add so much. So again, guys, I hope you enjoy this episode. I hope you enjoy the research. Uh, Like I said at the beginning of the episode, if you have any feedback or if you have any suggestions or if there's a certain topic you'd like me to cover, please reach out to podcast at biolite.shop or send me a DM on Instagram, either to my personal profile or biolite. It's biolite.shop and my personal profile is doctor. So Belkowski reach out to me at LinkedIn, just reach out to me somehow. Let me know how you're enjoying the episodes or not, or what other information you'd like me to cover in future episodes, or even suggestions for for interviews, what type of expert you'd like me to talk to and pick their brain. But as always, guys, get outside, get some grounding in, get some full spectrum light in, use red light therapy as necessary. And as always, just my little spiel at the end here. If you have a quick 15-30 seconds, please leave a quick five-star review either on Apple Podcast or Spotify, just so that this podcast can be found by more people and they can learn the countless health benefits and wellness benefits of red light therapy, just like you're learning in an episode like you did today. Without further ado, guys, this has been Dr. Mike Belkowski signing off another soloisode. As always, you guys light up your health and have a fantastic week. Thank you for, for listening, listening to the red light, red light Report. If you like what you heard today, go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes and other podcast platforms to help spread the word so other people can learn about the many health, wellness, and longevity benefits of red light therapy. If you're looking for more educational content, check out our Instagram page at biolight.shop and our YouTube channel, Biolight. I'm Dr. Mike Belkowski, and I'll see you on the next episode.